Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, over the course of doing this podcast, we've learned so much about you. You really do share your life with, with our listeners. Probably too much. We know you were homeschooled. Mm-hmm. We know that your nickname is the Thrifty Nickel. To some. We know you want to abolish marriage. Not true. <laughs> Not true. You said it. It's on the public record. Now, Jokingly. Here's a new thing we're going to reveal today. A new insight into Kristen. Oh, goodness. Kristen, tell us what is on your left wrist. Well, Molly, um, I'm looking at it right now, and on my left wrist, the inside of it, there is a small tattoo of an anchor. Of an anchor. And I, I was telling Kristen before we came in here that the first time I noticed it, I was sort of like, has she always had that, or did she just get it? Is it permanent? Is it just like a picture of an anchor she drew on herself? There's a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions about this tattoo, Kristen, and I just want you to clear them all up right now. Well, I think what you're referring to, Molly, is a tendency that some men in this town have of uh, thinking it's cute to ask me if I have a sailor fetish. Ah, because you have the anchor. Because I have an anchor. To which I reply, no, and then promptly turn around and walk away. <laughs> so you know if someone asks you if you have a sailor fetish, that that's as far as the conversation will be going. Yeah, I cut them off. Yeah, so, that's all. I tip that's out there to the listeners. Yeah. If you ever meet me, don't ask me about my tattoo. But, uh, yeah, no, I, people, people notice that they're usually wondering why I have an, an anchor on my wrist. Um, so it, yeah, it's definitely been the topic of conversation sometimes. I mean, it's pretty small. Like you said, you didn't notice it first off. I've had friends who haven't noticed it for a while and I kind of liked it that way. Even though it's an invisible space, I can, it's easy to cover up mm-hmm. and it's not just out there. Mm-hmm. So. Did you get a small tattoo because, you know, you didn't want it to be just out there and have people looking at it? I mean, you've already got people looking at it, asking weird questions about it. Mm -hmm. But was it a conscious choice to keep it small versus keeping it, you know, 
why didn't you get like a sleeve of anchors? And by <laughs> sleeve, I mean an entire arm tattooed of anchors. Well, because uh, then I don't think I could explain away a lack of a sailor fetish. Um, but uh, no, I, I think my rationale behind getting it right here was that I figured I wanted to be able to see it mm-hmm. every day if I wanted to and not have to, you know, crane my neck to see this tattoo. But yes, I wanted to keep it small enough so that it wasn't always in my line of sight. Gotcha. Well, the reason I'm asking questions like that, Kristen, is today we're going to talk about what people think when they see a tattoo on a woman. Yes. And even more fascinatingly, what tattoos have to do with feminism? Mm -hmm. Because as it turns out, quite a bit. And so now, you know, as we get into this conversation, I want you to explore what feminist, you know, ideas you might have been playing with if you were transgressing gender boundaries by getting a tattoo. All that good feminist lingo, how much of it did it play into your decision to get a tattoo? These are all things we're going to explore okay. either during the podcast or, or later over drinks. <laughs> all right. Well, Molly, I think that my anchor tattoo actually provides the perfect segue into our historical journey Uh with the art of tattoos, because it all starts on the high seas, does it not? It really does. It's as if you knew one day you'd be podcasting about tattoos and you'd need a segue. Yes. Because a lot of people trace uh, the rise of tattoos in this country to the 1770s when Captain James Cook went to Polynesia and brought back the Polynesian art of tattooing uh, to the West. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, tattooing really became associated with sailors who were all men. Yes. Just, you know, because women weren't sailors, women weren't the ones getting tattooed to show this brotherhood with other sailors. Right. So back then, and even today, I would say to some extent, we'll get to that later, tattoos were very, very masculine. I'd say they were very kind of blue collar, hardworking, you know, sign of a sign of a tough guy. You could withstand that pain. Yes. You know, you were you were really tough. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the 1880s with circus freak shows that we really start have, having more women getting inked as well. Yeah, that's sort of where they first show up in the tattoo historical document. And right away, if you're associating a tattooed woman with a freak show, you can see how, you know, that is not going to change anyone's perception of tattoos being a manly thing because mm-hmm. no, you know, proper lady of that time would have wanted to be associated with a freak show act. And what was interesting to me, uh, according to a paper by Christine uh, Bromberger called Revolting Bodies, Monster Beauty of Tattooed Women, she kind of goes into this history of freak shows and how, you know, there was this one woman named Nora Hildebrandt who, you know, just got tattooed because she wanted to be in the freak show. She mm-hmm. liked tattoos. And they made her construct this backstory of how, you know, she and her father had been kidnapped by Sitting Bull and every day an Indian would tie her to a tree and, you know, make her father give her another tattoo until her whole body was tattooed. And that's how she ended up in this freak show. So right away, women have become linked with tattooing in ways that take away all their power mm-hmm. because she was forced to get the tattoos, makes them into freaks because, you know, she's in a traveling circus. It's placing a lot of stigma on these women with tattoos. Mm-hmm. And that stigma grows into the 20th century where it becomes a lot more associated with prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also a famous case in the 1920s when uh, it was a rape trial when uh, this girl had a tattoo on her, a tattoo of a butterfly, I believe, on her ankle. And that was the piece of evidence, if you will, that lost her the case, lost mm-hmm. her this this rape case, because they drew the conclusion that since she had a butterfly tattoo, she was therefore sexually promiscuous and was asking for 
this rape, right. essentially. Essentially, she misled the men because she was like, oh, I'm into sex because I have a tattoo. Mm-hmm. So it's just this really, these damaging links that only, you know, bad girls, sexually depraved women and freaks get tattoos that uh, that characterizes the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting with this early history, this issue that, that you mentioned of power comes up again and again, even though these women were choosing to get tattoos, it was still culturally viewed as a sign of uh, them being dominated mm-hmm. and them never, uh, them not having power and ownership over their bodies. These things being perpetrated on them. So enter the feminists of the 1970s, mm-hmm. where the body does become a political thing that feminists are reclaiming control of. And it's an easy jump to make that because they want to reclaim the power over their body, they start making this big deal out of choosing to get tattooed. And that's where we see the rise of women really entering the tattooed world and trying to reclaim that negative perception that was associated with the art. Yeah, and I think uh, Janis Joplin was someone who kind of helped push that into the mainstream. She had um, a tattoo of what, a rose, mm-hmm. I believe, and it was done by a guy named Lyle Tuttle, who was a California-based tattoo artist who really brought tattooing in general back into vogue in the 70s. Right. Now, the 70s, you know... It was a crazy time. I wasn't there, but that's what the pictures show. It's pretty wild. So the people who were getting tattooed, I think, still existed within that wild sphere. Mm -hmm. And people who were perhaps, you know, more conservative, more suburban, still would have judged them as like the freaks of the world. So while more women were getting tattoos, I don't think that the stigma of a tattoo symbolizing an other would have completely disappeared, even though more women were getting tattooed. And really, since the 1970s, tattooing has just come more and more into the mainstream. And according to a report from the Pew Research Center, 40% of women, 26 to 40, have at least one tattoo. Mm -hmm. So we've gone from it being this kind of crazy freak sideshow thing for women to have a tattoo to, you know, every other lady walking down the street may or may not have one. But I think that women are still subject to judgment for tattoos in ways that men are not. So let's talk a little bit about that sort of double standard, because while they're getting more mainstream, I would say they're not totally mainstream yet. I mean, there are offices where you can't walk into if you're if you've got a tattoo showing. Yeah. And I mean, that, and that's the same thing for guys. I mean, there, there's still the issue of, you know, if a guy gets sleeves done where mm-hmm. his entire arms are covered in tattoos, it might be a lot harder for him to get a day job. You know, he's going to have to cover them up somehow. But with women, you know, I think that the standard is raised even higher, not just because it's harder for us to wear. We don't generally wear full body suits. You know, we should, we just, just show more skin. And <laughs> Speak for yourself, Chris. <laughs> full body suits. Sounds like hazmat suits or something. <laughs> um, but you know, we have more skin showing. And also I do think that there's still more of, I don't know, a, a negative implication. If you have a tattoo, I definitely feel, from my personal experience, having this very small, insignificant tattoo, I would think, compared to, you know, other, others out there, um, I do get different, a different kind of attention sometimes for it than I would like. Mm-hmm. It's like once guys in particular will notice it, or even girls too, notice that I have this tattoo of this anchor. I don't know. It sort of changes. I can tell that it changes their perception of who I am and mm-hmm. this kind of message that I'm trying to, put out about myself, which I really didn't intend to do at all. And I think that what's interesting is to me, your tattoo is in a very sort of 
you know, neutral place. But there are definitely places that you could have been tattooed on your body that would not have been neutral. If, for example, you had gotten the ever so popularly named tramp stamp. Yes. The tattoo on the lower back. Right. Um, which I think it probably acquired the quote unquote tramp stamp title with the popularity of low rise jeans mm-hmm. when that area, you know, you sit down and all of a sudden your lower back is exposed and maybe the top of your underwear. And then sitting on top of that, you have who knows what a dolphin, a yin yang symbol, a butterfly, a butterfly. But somehow along the way, men looked at that or someone looked at it and told men, if a girl has a tattoo there, she's a tramp. So basically there are places where a woman can get still get tattooed today that somehow indicates something about her sexuality, which I would argue takes away just as much power from those women as it did, you know, to say that a woman deserved to be raped because she had a tattoo. Well, you and I were talking before the podcast about trying to figure out which part of our bodies could we get a tattoo where it would have no sexual implication. Mm-hmm. And there's really no neutral space on a woman's body. No. I mean, even I, I don't feel like this small part of my wrist is necessarily provocative, you know, but someone could probably twist it as such. But, you know, well, that, they've already made it into a fetish. You either are going to get a tattoo that indicates something about your sexuality. If you get like a butterfly, you're somehow embodying like ultra feminine qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like you said, if if it's if it is a neutral tattoo in and of itself, a snail being one one idea we came up with. <laughs> Where can you put it on your body that is that is neutral? Yeah, you can't put it on your hips. You can't put it on your neck or anywhere around your chest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess you could put it on your stomach, but <laughs> that would just look funny. Um, your ankle, I, I would argue that your ankle could be a sexy place for a tattoo. Well, it's interesting you argue that because we found a, a men's fitness article that argued that if you see a girl with an ankle tattoo, she's worth the trouble of seducing because she is obviously tough enough to get an ankle tattoo, since there's very little fat there, yet equally feminine, particularly if it's something like a butterfly or a flower. Yeah. I mean, not that Molly and I look to men's fitness as uh, something that you should really put a lot of stock in, but it was funny. Yeah, this this guide to women's tattoos. Uh, of course, it mentions the lower back tramp stamp uh, that we talked about a minute ago, um, and it says uh, it doesn't mean that she's a key- isn't a keeper because of the you know connotations, mm-hmm. sexual connotations. She's just a follower. So it really looks down on <laughs> on the lower back tattoos. And then if she's got an entire sleeve. She's going to be wild in the sack because she's, she's got so ne- many tattoos. And she's totally subverting female norms yeah. to use some feminist lingo. Mm-hmm. Because I will say that, you know, sometimes when I see a person who does have the sleeves and they're a female, I, I do think of that differently than I think of like a guy with sleeves. And I don't want to be that way because I don't want to judge someone just based on the sleeves. But there are arguments being made, you know, from both sides that they want me to think differently about them. Because they're reclaiming power, they're redirecting my gaze versus people who say, you know, she's just trying to subvert feminine norms. Mm -hmm. And this kind of reminds me of uh, Kat Von D, Mm -hmm. who is the star of the reality show L.A. Inc. She's covered in tattoos, super foxy. Can I call a woman foxy? Is that degrading? Okay. (laughs) Um, she, you know, she's really hot. She's covered in tattoos. And there was, I can't remember which magazine it was for, but they did, um, they did a photo shoot with her where they basically removed all of her tattoos with 
makeup to mm-hmm. kind of show this, like her ultra feminine side. Cause she looks really tough. You yeah. know, she's covered in all of, all of these tattoos and has sleeves and they're everywhere. Um, yet she's really, you know, sexy at the same time, but they wanted to, you know, show her softer side. And by doing that, they, you know, removed her tattoos and, you know, they would never do that to a guy. No. You know? They completely removed her power again. Yeah. They, what was the phrase I liked? They deprived her agency. Yeah. Deprivation of agency. So I definitely think that, you know, there, there is a lot more to a woman getting a tattoo. Like as, as little statement as I was trying to make to the world, you know, that I, I have this tattoo for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I didn't, didn't really care what the world thought about it. And yet you can't get away from it. You can't get away from, society's gaze and not to try to overblow, you know, as silly of an issue as a tattoo, I think it definitely is real. It is real. And, you know, there was one study in Canada that we found from 2004 that tried to sort of qualify, I guess, what men and women thought when they saw a female with a tattoo. And basically they got these uh, college students to come in. They divided them up into groups of um, people who had tattoos, people who were seriously considering one, and people who didn't have tattoos. And then they described these hypothetical people for them. Um, you know, a man who had a tattoo that was smaller than a loony. Remember, this is a Canadian study. So their dollar coin is called the loony. This is a shout out for all our Canadian fans. Um, a man who had a tattoo smaller than a loony that was, you know, visible or not visible. Mm-hmm. It depended. Um, then one that was larger than that. And then the same for a woman. And by and large, all the men and women, regardless of their tattoo status, had less favorable opinions of the women with tattoos. Now, they also did kind of a follow up reading and they asked the people, you know, where do you stand on sort of a feminist scale? Mm-hmm. How much do you believe in equal rights for women? And that was a pretty good predictor of how the people would feel about a tattoo on a woman. If they, you know, believed in traditional gender roles and they had less of an inkling to agree with equal rights for women, they would judge women with a tattoo much more harshly than those who had um, more egalitarian views on women. Right. And I thought the most interesting finding from this study was that men with or without tattoos still had a lower perception of women who had large tattoos. Mm-hmm. The small ones, not as big of a deal, but once they got larger and more visible, uh, their perception started to change. It did change, but they would, even though they might have found the woman more unfavorable compared to the woman without a tattoo, they did still remark that the tattooed woman was powerful because mm-hmm. they were asked to rate her, you know, her sense of power as well. So I think that we still see females getting tattoos as powerful. We just don't necessarily view them the same way, which is exactly, it seems, the experience that you've had. Well, because, and this is something that the the researcher brings up, and that I, I do, I, I will buy this, is she says that women with tattoos is an example of gender role violation. Mm-hmm. And I think it is because we, we do have this notion of power tied up with, with tattoos and with their visibility and what they're portraying um, and all of that. And while, again, like I don't, I think it's silly to kind of over- overanalyze the whole situation, I think that when you really get down to brass tacks, tattoos are kind of a really uh, interesting gauge for really where we are, like where how the society does view men and women differently. Yeah. Well, that's very well said, Kristen. On that note, I think we should open it up to our listeners and see what you guys think. Uh, what do you think about women with tattoos? Yay, nay, what tattoos do you have of your own? What prejudices do you find yourself with against women with tattoos? Has your perception of me lowered knowing that I have a tattoo now? Oh, Kristen, no one's perception of you is lowered, I'm sure. 
So on that note, momstuff at howstuffworks.com. That's our email address. Let us know your thoughts. And let's read some people who have already emailed us at that address. I have an email from Mary Ellen who wrote about our Burka podcast. And she writes, I'm an American woman living in France. The French view freedom of religion somewhat differently from the way Americans see it. In this largely Catholic country, religion is considered a private matter. Politicians do not say God bless France or otherwise refer to religion or prayer in their speeches. Schools do observe religious holidays, but other than that, religion and schools are separate. No outward sign of religion is allowed in public schools. This includes the veil, but also the cross. The French highly value assimilation. People who chose to become citizens are expected to assimilate and to keep their religion private. The woman who has refused French citizenship refused even to appear in court in less than her full burqa. She and her husband have adopted their radical Islam views since their immigration to France. So, a, um, a view into French culture from Mary Ellen. All right. Well, I've got one here from Alexandra about our episode on poop. Poop. We've gotten a lot of great email about our poop episode, guys. Keep it coming because it just makes me laugh a lot. Uh, she says, thank you so much for breaking the silence on the subject of women and poop. I used to be one of many women out there who felt embarrassed about pooping in public bathrooms. However, I was quickly cured of any further feelings of embarrassment the summer I took a job leading canoe trips in northern Ontario. As you can imagine, when embarking on a week-long trip into an area without even public bathrooms, the subject of just how you're supposed to go poop in the woods becomes not only important, but also incredibly necessary. The conversation is typically an awkward one, compounded by the fact that you only met your trip participants earlier that day. Every trip leader has their own poop talk style, and I I like to use a lot of humor. I'll start by introducing my shovel named Doug. And I go on to say that during this trip, you'll find that you want to go take Doug out on a date and then explain how a date with Doug will go, including the need for privacy and the date being far away from camp. I also emphasize that Doug does not like to take long walks on the beach as it's against the leave no trace policy to have poop (laughs) too close to water sources. I've never thought about all of this. I also stress that it's not polite to get poop on your date and that Doug is only used for digging the hole. On almost every trip I've led, Doug becomes an important member of the trip and is often featured at the end of every trip photo. Participants will often joke about Doug cheating on them when someone else heads out into the woods for a, quote, date with Doug and will even brag that they've been on more dates with Doug's than other friends. These people in Ontario are so zany. Uh, this may seem silly, but talking about poop on a trip is essential. Try not going poop for a week because you're uncomfortable with a lack of facilities, and it can be very dangerous to your health, causing blockages and a lot of pain. I used to find talking about poop to be a little weird, but now I take a certain pride in being able to openly discuss what is going on in mine and other people's bowels. Alexandra, thank you so much. She also attached a picture of Doug. It was... It was great. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, and it was clean, by the way. Of course, Doug you don't was get, very clean. You don't get poop on Doug. That's yeah, don't get, don't get poop on Doug. So, keep sending uh, your poop thoughts, guys, <laughs> our way. Mom's or stuff, other thoughts. Or other thoughts, yes. At how, momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And during the week, see what Molly and I are working on on our blog, How To Stuff. And you can read articles that Molly and I have written. And other podcast personalities have written as well on our website, HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you.
to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 